Welcome in to Somewhat Mobile. When we drop data, it's not anecdotal. Talking to latest mobile trends, we're highlighting the surges and descends. Yeah, this is an original series from Aptopia. Let's do this thing. Here we go. <laughs> All right. All right. Welcome in to Somewhat Mobile, where we talk mobile app trends and insights. Uh, today, we have a discussion with Chris Akavan, Senior Vice President of Business Development, Corporate Development, and Advertising at Glue Mobile. Chris has been with Glue for eight years, but previously uh, he worked at TapJoy, where he ran their global partnership team. And for those living under a rock, Chris is uh, Chris. <laughs> Chris, you are large, but I was going to say Glue is one of the large, and I mean that in a good way. Uh, Glue is one of the <laughs> large in charge, right? Mobile game publishers in the world. Uh, you know, you might have heard of them. They have hits like Deer Hunter, Kim Kardashian, Hollywood, MLB, Tap Sports, Baseball, Design Home, and more. Chris, welcome in. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for the intro. Good to be on. Thanks, Chris. So as Thanks, our Adam. listeners know, we recently spoke with EA and similar to them, Glue offers a wide variety of games from game genres to gaming mechanics. Has it always been this way or did Glue start with a specific type of game? Really good question because I'd say the company that I joined back in 2013 is radically different than what Glue is today. I mean, it's completely transformed. So. Back in 2013, um, you know, and that's really also kind of the industry was so different back then, but, you know, we would launch game after game and, and, and the, the term for those kind of games these days, we call them shark fins, right? Like they come out, they do well for a little while and they kind of drop off and fade away. And so back in 2013, Glue's business was pretty much launching shark fin game after another. So like you launch a game, it would kind of fade and then hopefully you have the next shark fin come and, and keep revenue steady. Um, just by kind of sequentially launching games. Uh, and, and on top of that, the genres we were in were radically different. I mean, you mentioned, Adam, some of our games like Design Home and Covet Fashion. Um, back then, our big games when I joined were Frontline Commando, um, you know, a military-themed shooter, uh, Contract Killer, pretty self-explanatory, um, <laughs> Gun Bros. Uh, I missed that I'm one. trying to remember the other ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was actually a really popular game, kind of early days in the App Store. Um, Heroes of Destiny, so like very kind of on that action-oriented, male-heavy audience uh, side of the spectrum. Um, and obviously since then, the company's dramatically transformed, both in business model. I mean, no longer obviously uh, launching Sharkfin games. Now we, we focus all of our resources in creating and operating what we call growth games, uh, which are games that we believe have the potential to grow year on year for a very long period of time, right? Lasting decades, not, not you know, months like the old Sharkfin business model. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you know, our big titles today are Design Home and Covet Fashion, uh, MLB Tap Sports Baseball, the biggest baseball game on mobile. Um, we launched a Disney Pixar RPG last year uh, and also have, you know, Diner Dash uh, still in the, the lineup. So, um, you know, I, I forgot to mention Kim Kardashian game also still very relevant for us. Uh, so, yeah, quite a dramatic shift from the, the early days of when, I, when we started at the company. That's interesting to hear. Um, and speaking of the uh, Kim Kardashian game, she is not the only celebrity you guys have worked with. You guys have worked with, over the years, like a bunch of people. Um, I, I know of Britney Spears, Nicki Minaj, Taylor Swift. And recently we've seen uh, this sort of creator economy spring up where, mm -hmm. um, I mean, we, we've already known that influencers have been prominent, but I, I think there was a point where people thought they were dying and, and now I feel like they're getting uh, actually some more wind. And so do you have yep. any plans moving forward in 2021 to do similar collaborations with celebrities or influencers? 
Yeah, good question. I mean, we, yeah, we had a, quite a run. Um, for a while, I mean, the company was actually very focused on trying to really just double down on celebrity gaming, right? And so you mentioned some of the the celebrities we worked with. We also made a game with Gordon Ramsay, for example, with our, our Diner Dash studio. Um, and so we, we kind of went deep down that path uh, with mixed results, right? The Kim Kardashian game was uh, obviously a huge hit and is still very relevant and, and, and continuing to thrive. Uh, a lot of the other ones you mentioned, you know, just didn't work out. Um, I think looking back on it, you know, they were too derivative of what we did with Kim, not, not really innovative enough. Um, but the present day, I mean, our, our entire lineup is heavily supported by IP partnerships in one way or another. Um, and so, for example, baseball, obviously, like that game doesn't exist without real MLB players. Uh, and, and so they're, they're cent central to the entire experience and product. Um, with our uh, Covet Fashion and Design Home, th both of those products feature real-world fashion brands and uh, you know, furniture brands to bring that authentic connection uh, to the to the game experience, and in in turn, we tie into those brands and in you know, various ways to cross promote um, the game through their their social channels and things like that. Um, so yeah, we very much still see huge opportunity to leverage whether it's IP like a Disney, you know, Pixar, which we have a game with, or MLB, you know, and and, and athletes uh, through to personalities. We still have you know obviously the Kim game. Um, in terms of working with you know more of the uh, kind of influencer uh, creator uh, group. You know, we've, we've had some success there from a marketing perspective. We haven't done anything, for example, to really create a game around or, or um, you know, fully integrate like a influencer or a creator. But, you know, I definitely think there's big opportunities yeah. there. So outside of influencer back content, other two huge trends we saw in 2020 were live streaming and in-app communications. Uh, obviously, Discord blew up and yep. Epic bought House Party. Does Glue have plans to incorporate some of those features or in its game yeah. plan? Absolutely. I mean, personally, I'm a huge gamer, right? That's why I actually have this stuff is I, I got really back into uh, mostly for me PC gaming about a year and a half ago. And my um, my friends on Discord complained that my mic sucked, so <laughs> that's why I ended up getting it. Getting listening and, and not watching, Chris has a badass setup. His mic is like floating above him. <laughs> it looks nice. Yeah, so yeah, it was nice to get that all all before what happened last year, obviously, and, and be able to use it for Zoom calls instead of just gaming. Um, but yeah, to answer the question, I mean, we've definitely been tracking that. I mean, our games, like you know, the the Disney game, for example, has a very active Discord community. So we are tapping into um, you know uh, vehicles like that to engage directly with our our audience and and get feedback and in involve them in the development process and also to let them connect with each other, obviously. Uh, on top of that, you know, the various products have built a lot of functionality to enable that kind of communication, um, you know, natively within the product itself. Um, our, our Tap Sports Baseball game is a great example. Uh, that game is really just, at the end of the day, it's a community-driven game. Like, no one plays that game by themselves. Like, the first thing you really do when you get into that, that game is you join um, the equivalent of a clan in, in baseball, which is just called a team, um, and, and or sorry, a club. And, and collaborate with other other players, and there's a lot of in-game uh, communication that our our product natively facilitates. Uh, but we also certainly still see um, our our players, you know, meeting each other on on Discord and other chat services to, uh, you know, strategize on what they're going to do for the weekend tournament. Chris, are you? I I feel like I bring this up a lot because I'm just I'm I'm like searching for another human who knows of this thing. But uh, back in the day, did you use a a program similar to Discord called Ventrilo? 
No, what was that? Was it just like Discord? Uh, it, it was like Discord, <laughs> but it was before its time. And I feel like I, I, well, I used yeah. to, we, we, we might talk a little bit about this later, but I used to play um, PC games a lot. Uh, Counter-Strike was my was my choice there. And Oh, nice. That's one of my top games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, had, had some had some like addiction issues probably back in middle school, but but. <laughs> You know, yeah. all the all the people that the, we called them clans. Yeah, you'd hop on the uh, the event. We'd call the event server. So um, nice. Just, they they definitely. Uh, I'm sure they're looking at Discord now. A, a little upset. But yeah, I mean, Discord's fascinating, right? Like just the the aspect of being able to drop into a Discord channel and see people are actively chatting and just tap in seamlessly, and and you're in a group conversation. I, I forget who described it this way, but it's like just walking into a living room and your friends are already sitting there and it just feels very natural, right? Like versus other forms of social media and communication, like never had that seamless feel of, Hey, I'm just going to drop into the living room. Like, Oh, look, my friends are already in here. Um, yeah, I, I just love that about, about this. So we're, we're, we're gonna, I have more questions to ask you about gaming, but since you brought this up and I think it's, especially for our audience, I think they're <laughs> interested anyway. Um, you know, Madeline and I have been looking at clubhouse lately and obviously discord and, and the way mm -hmm. you just described discord to me sounds uh similar to clubhouse i don't know if you've used clubhouse but uh mm, no refresh my memory which okay, one is that so okay Cl clubhouse is basically madeline how would you describe clubhouse well at first you have to get an invite to it right now right like... it's still like in a closed beta. you have to be invited but it's so many people have invites yeah. now that you can get one okay yeah, I think it's more like finding your mini community. I saw like one of my friends posted she connects with other like Gen Z founders, like women mm. founders and stuff. So that's cool. I, mean, I imagine it's, it's, just it's like audio servers, though, basically. So it's it's very similar. And um, so it's similar to Discord, like you have different rooms and people are already sitting in there chatting. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'll have to check yeah, it out. Um, and it we we know through our, our data that it's it's already hit a million downloads. So those invites are definitely going out. Wow. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, okay, we'll, we'll we'll get back on track. So, typically, like the the mobile gaming environment, from my perspective, is um, you know I'm I'm into it more than console, so I so I understand it more. So maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but I believe it's way more fast moving, way more dynamic than uh, mm -hmm. console gaming. So having said that, um, what are what do you think were some of the like most for for glue particularly what do you think were some of the most exciting developments to happen in 2020 um and then what you know challenges or developments do you look forward to in 2021 yeah that's a big question <laughs> uh go anywhere you want with <laughs> yeah i mean like yeah last year was a record year for us i mean um you know obviously we had a, a really strong year and that was across all of the titles i talked about earlier and so I think, you know, there's just so many wins um, in terms of live ops and in terms of engaging audiences and keeping them com coming back. And, and as we talked about earlier, like hel helping them better connect with each other was kind of a central theme throughout last year. Um, you know, some metrics I, can, metrics I can share uh, that were, you know, notable. Um, and this goes back to our Q3 earnings call. So uh, it's the last public information that we've shared. Nice. Uh, our ARP DAO in Q3 was 54 cents, uh, and that was up from 32 cents in Q3 of 18. So tremendous wow, growth there. Um, you know, we did about 147 million in bookings in Q3, which was up 22% versus prior year Q3. And, and so that really just came down to, you know, phenomenal results across the portfolio. Um, every game that I mentioned earlier just did a really, really tremendous job, you know, despite the fact that there was all this disruption with people having to quickly 
adapt to working from home. Uh, our teams, from a live ops perspective, just really did not miss a beat. I mean, um, did a phenomenal job of entertaining audiences who obviously needed that source of entertainment with everything that was going on last year. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just saying I'm, I'm most proud of that accomplishment and how seamlessly the company transitioned and, and how we were able to keep audiences hyper engaged uh, in, in, in our titles and, and deliver the content that they, that they were looking for um, across the board, including, you know, for example, our, our baseball game was the one that we really worried about at the start of the season because the actual MLB season got delayed. Um, and that game's live ops, you know, normally would be very heavily tied to like what's actually happening in the real life MLB season. And so that was a tremendous accomplishment on the team's behalf to grow that game year on year, uh, despite not having a, a, a real season to work with for a, a good part of the, the first part of the year. Um, just, uh, again, a testament to the, the adaptability. And, and as you talked about, I think mobile, what mobile game developers are really good at is moving quickly, um, responding to data uh, and, and, you know, evolving, right? Like, like things are not set in stone. It's not like a big console game launch where you've been working on this product for, you know, five years and now it's, you got to ship a gold master. Um, that, that live mentality is so ingrained in mobile gaming that it, it enabled our team to just quickly, okay, there's not going to be a season. We're going to have to figure it out. And, and they did an amazing job and didn't miss a beat. Awesome. Um, so yeah, look, you know, second part of your question, just looking forward to this year. Uh, obviously we're excited to build on that, um, in terms of, the pipeline, we have some exciting new titles that we have talked about in the last Anything earnings call. You can we have a new oh, so of... can you mention those here? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll share those. Um, uh, so we have a new version of Deer Hunter in development. Um, Crowdstar, who makes uh, Design Home and, and Covet Fashion. That studio, we, we did announce the third title that they're working on, which is really exciting. Uh, it's called Table and Taste. So think of that as um, what you know, Crowdstar has done for interior design and fashion, but now coming to the food space. Uh, so we're yeah, super excited I, I see about Madeline that product. With her, with her hands there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Anything food space, I'm really excited yeah. about. So um, I will download that for sure. Yes. It will make and you very hungry because think about like just amazing looking food. <laughs> that's not good. I have enough things in my life to make me very hungry. Um, it was very food oriented. We'll talk about that another time. But so speaking of new titles, um, M&A, mergers and acquisitions, mm -hmm. mom and dad, if you're listening at home, that's what that means. It's a big part of the gaming environment. Um, Glue's a top dog. You're no stranger to that. What makes a game or a publisher a good fit for the Glue family? Yeah, great question. I mean, yeah, it's been uh, a core focus of mine um, you know, for a long time now. Uh, and just, just so, you know, maybe to share about the company's history, like a lot of people don't realize that Glue has really been built through M&A. Um, and so every successful title that I mentioned earlier, uh, pretty much all of them came through acquisition. But they've looked very differently, right? So like our baseball product uh, came through an aqua hire uh, that we did. And this was back when I, near when I first joined, we met this small three-person team. And they actually had a football prototype. It wasn't even baseball, but we really liked it. It was like social, snappy, designed and optimized for mobile. And we aqua hired them. Um, and then just due to like where, where the professional seasons were lining up, we decided to, to focus on baseball first. And, and you know, years later, we have uh, the phenomenally successful baseball franchise with that studio. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, Crowdstar, who, who brought us Covet Fashion and Design Home, uh, you know, biggest title in the company. That was a more mature acquisition uh, we completed, you know, back in 2016. 
Um, and since then, the, the studio has grown tremendously. Um, I think I have, you know, like I can share some numbers from that that last uh, earnings call that we completed. Um, where did I have listed? Okay, yeah. So through Q3 of last year, Design Home has done 596 million in bookings. Uh, Covet's done 340 million, and and Baseball's also done about 340 million. Wow. And so all of that originated through M&A, came to the company, um, you know, through acquisitions. Uh, also, our Kim Kardashian game, you know, that was a studio that we had acquired in Toronto um, that made some initial games that were, you know, similar. And then, you know, we, we helped them land the deal with Kim and, and that went on to be a hit. Um, and just, yeah, another big bullet point to share, like the company uh, has Across those deals, I think since 2011, we've spent about 80 million on acquisitions, which have gone on to generate 2.2 billion in lifetime bookings. And, and so our M&A history has been different than others. Like we haven't gone out and done like huge expensive deals. We, I think, have done a good job historically of finding these opportunities that have a massive potential to grow and that we think that we can help them, you know, kind of achieve that, that sort of growth. Uh, so to answer your question, that's really what we look for is, um, you know, finding studios where we see really strong building blocks, which always starts with the talent uh, and, and, and the product. And then specifically, we looked in there and see, like, you know, can we supercharge what the studio is doing? Um, and we, we take a tailored approach to that. So it's not one size fits all. Like we don't say, hey, you're, you know, you're acquired by Glue. You have to integrate all this stuff. It's more. You know, we have all these services, all these strengths that we can help you with. Which ones make sense for what you what you currently have, and 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 to help you fill some gaps. Um, so yeah, that's how we uh, we look at M and As. We look at those opportunities where we have those building blocks, we have something to build with, and a team to build with. Um, but that we we also feel confident that Glue as a company can add value. Do you um do you go out and look for them, or do they come to you, or is it both? It's both. I mean, um, we have a great corp dev team here. Uh, and so, you know, our, our team is very actively monitoring the market and, and looking very proactively for, for strong opportunities. Um, so that's, that's always central to what we do. Uh, and, and at the same time, there's, there's studios that, you know, for example, are being shopped or, you know, just kind of reaching out because they think there's a good fit. Um, so it's a mix of both, but we, we stay very active and, and, you know, meet with many, many teams. And that's the last thing I'll say there is that, um, you know, for, for us to do a deal, like we've probably, you know, not done a hundred deals, right. For, for doing one deal. Mm -hmm. Um, we really do focus on finding that, that great fit where we think that, um, there's just kind of good chemistry and good opportunity ahead. And, and so, uh, we'll, we'll continue to remain selective in, in making sure that the, the future acquisitions we do also kind of fit that criteria. And who are you acquiring next? <laughs> you take the next question. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, yeah, we 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 uh we talked before the show. We were pretty sure you weren't gonna gonna go ahead and bite on that one. Um, so you're you're a gamer yourself. Um, what is what's what's Chris's style of game? What do you like? Uh, do you have a favorite game? Do you have a genre that you're into? Where do you go? Yeah, I like to play a lot of different styles of game, but my go-to is first-person shooter. Um, I, I like really, at the end of the day, I like competitive games where you're competing against people and it's all about skill. So like very much like skill-driven, kind of, I guess, the esports games, right? Like Counter-Strike, Valorant, uh, and so on is, is kind of the bread and butter for me. I also like really, really good story-driven games like the Witcher series or, um, you know, God of War uh, I just got cyberpunk though. I think I'm going to wait a while to actually play it until they kind of get into a better place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say shooters for sure are, are top of the list for me. Nice. 
Now, this doesn't have to be a mobile game, but is there any type of game, like it can even be a gym game you played growing up or something that you just absolutely hated, can't stand, don't want to touch? Game that I've hated. That you just dread playing mm. for whatever reason. I don't know. What, 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 yeah. Was it spin the bottle in, in middle school? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at, uh, okay, I'll, I'll just share. I'm just looking at my computer, what games I have mm. and which ones I just did not enjoy. And this is nothing against the game. This is just me personally. I just did not enjoy it. Fall Guys. I was like, okay, like, mm -hmm. why is this game super hyped? I, I get, I get that it was amusing and whatnot, but like, I just was like, this is not for me. It, so like, I, I tried to play it, and I was like, nah, I can't do it. And I went back to to Counter Strike probably. Adam has some beef with idle games. I know. Oh, so. uh, I, oh, I don't yeah. understand the money that those things bring in, and I don't understand the people. Who... Yeah, I'm with you on that. That and social. Okay, yeah. So social casino within the mobile gaming sphere, I do not understand why people put money into gambling games that the money does not come back out. Like, just I'll never understand it's tough. that. And when people... um, well, I guess I, I understand it, but I just we, yeah, we personally. Get, uh... I to... A lot of reporter inquiries for data and when we start talking to people about those social casino games not all the reporters yep. understand that they can't make real money from them and then it like blows their mind of when they see the revenue numbers. yeah so yeah it's pretty crazy yeah um, that's amazing our, our last question for you is um mainly because we just uh we just passed the holidays here and so i just am curious chris how old were you when you learned santa wasn't real i was pretty young i want to say like five or six and that's because i oh, wow. uh i was um very nosy right and so like i went looking for clues and i remember like uh i snuck into my parents bedroom and went into their closet and i found the gifts that they had bought for christmas and then i was like okay and then i saw that what santa brought was the same stuff like uh <laughs> so so the whole thing um yeah, <laughs> put, that, put two and two together out. yeah okay yeah how about you two me? Well, I was a very hopeful, optimistic child. I am less of that now as an adult, but I tried to hang on, I think until like, I want to say maybe fifth grade, I finally asked my sister, I could just see it in her eyes. Like she didn't <laughs> believe anymore. Like there's something up. And I was like, I need you to level with me, Megan. What is the deal? And I thought I was hoping, I was so hoping she would lie to me and um she didn't she, yeah she didn't lie she was like yeah it's mom and dad i know it's kind of a sick thing <laughs> <laughs> um I, about you, Adam? I, i'm jewish so i the second i found out that santa you know existed i also found out that he wasn't real but the funny thing is my parents would still bring me to go sit on his lap at like malls and I would do it <laughs> nice. and I would just tell him what I want. But I guess, I guess I like hoped that, uh, you know, they were listening when I was you know, telling yeah. him what I want. And I would always, I would get on his lap and the first thing I would tell Santa every time I'd be like, Santa, I'm Jewish, but like, <laughs> and one year he told me he was going to make a spe special trip for me, but I, ne I never did get that remote control car. Ah, so. uh, <laughs> it's too bad. <laughs> Um, well, on that very cheerful note, it was so nice to have you today, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excellent. This is it. What? Lucini pouring from the sky. Let's get rich. What? The Gigi Vance and Sugar Dance can't quit. What? Now pop the cork.